0: The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Hello and welcome to CPR Unplugged. I am your host, Jess. I am joined today by Autumn. Thanks everyone out there listening and thanks Autumn for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. So Autumn, you're going to tell us a little bit about, from what I understand, kind of your um, family history of mental health. So Autumn, feel free to start your story wherever feels most comfortable to you. Okay, well, thank you. So I guess
1: my childhood was, was very normal up until about uh, I was about 10 years old. My mother started to show some interesting behavior, I would say, um, that had my father wondering if everything was doing okay. Um, Obviously it wasn't. Um, She did end up getting diagnosed with the schizoaffective disorder along with uh, severe social anxiety and OCD. And from there on um, my childhood kind of changed drastically. Um, My mother, of course, didn't necessarily accept that diagnosis, uh, which which many don't at first. And that kind of caused a drift between my mother and father. So they did end up getting a divorce. Uh, The court system uh, gave, or I guess gave, uh, my mother full custody of me. And during one of her many manic states, uh, she moved me away to a few states over from where I grew up. Uh, Just me and her. Uh, I have older sisters but they were already in college by the time um, we moved. So at that point was, I was probably 11, 12, when I really started to notice uh, my mother and her manic states. Um, That's when I kind of took almost like a mother role to my mom because I kind of knew she was such a great mother that I was able to kind of help take care of
0: her almost. What do you remember from that time? What was that like? Well, oof,
1: you know, I remember only being 11 or 12 and having to steal her car, actually, to go get groceries because she would be so depressed and uh, unable to to really take care of herself. Um, I I remember several suicide attempts uh, that I would have to nurse her back to health. the, it was I, I guess looking back at it, it it seems more tragic than it was than whenever I was living through it uh, it was just something that I had to do and I did it and I still went to school every day and got grades I mean I wasn't the most fantastic student uh, I, I was a teenage girl so I definitely had my friends and and it it almost just became just the everyday. for me. And it it didn't seem that strange at first. So for you, that was your normal. Right. And I, I, I seem to adapt it pretty quickly to that. It wasn't until, uh, we ended up moving back to my hometown where my father lived, um, back to my old friends and kind of seeing how they were, you know, how their lives had progressed a little bit. Um, and being back with my father because I was able to be with him on the weekends that I realized how strange my life actually had turned um, that I had made the decision to try to live with my father full-time ter- full and of course you know my uh, mother didn't appreciate that very much and and, and it turned into uh, several different stays in the hospital for her just because uh, emotionally she wasn't quite ready to handle, you know, taking care of herself, yet alone me or even understanding the situation she was in.
0: Um, So when you say,
1: when you say stays in the hospital, um, did she receive inpatient mental health treatment? Yes. And the unfortunate part is I live in a small town in a state where mental health isn't really a, a top priority. So we don't have anything that is longer than, 24-hour stays. Um, uh, court orders could be up to seven days, but after that, like there's, there's really no option. So when I say several, it's because she she gets out after the court order seven days, and then, and then gets back in there, and it, it's it, it kind of toggles for months and months and months of her in and out, um, until they could get her on a treatment. Um, the state I live in currently is the mental illnesses. There's so much that there's not enough facilities to really accommodate um, everyone who is needing the help. So uh, we just kind of did the best we could. We kind of learned as we went, um, how to, you know, obviously there's a lot of laws that we had to catch up on with mental illness, you know. Uh, Unfortunately, we had to get her arrested a few times when she became violent or suicidal that was the only way we could get her help because when she was refusing it that was what we had to do and as much as it pained us to do it and how um how isolating it kind of felt we continued to do it because we knew that she could have a great quality of life if she could just stay on the medication and um it finally came to a point where she did stay on her medication for quite some time. And she's, she was really healthy. Uh, she just needed to be cared for basically 24 hours a day. So that's whenever we decided to move her in with me, my husband, and at the time my one child, um, my oldest son now, um, and we were able to keep her on track for quite some time. Um, you know, me and my husband kind of got to the point where we we knew when her health mentally was was going downhill, and then we could get her into a therapist, and we could get her into a, psychiat- a psychiatrist, and we could do small adjustments, and those small adjustments were amazing because, you know, we were so familiar with her doctor and, and everything that it it ended up being, we were like a great team, and we all came together, my my father, who had been divorced from my mother for, for probably about 10 years at this point, ended up asking my mother if he could take care of her uh, medical power of attorney and her financial power of attorney um, to take some burden off of her. Um, and she agreed. And um, so that definitely helped, you know, whenever she was showing signs of uh, manic as uh, a manic episode you know he was able to assist me in getting her the help she needed if if at any time she uh was against it or not so much against it but uh in denial i guess i would say would be better choice of words um so we were able to keep her really good for a long time and with the helps of my older sisters they became her confidant um almost like that person that she could talk to because she had severe social anxiety so you know while i was taking care of her in the physical sense and making sure that she was taking her medication my sisters were taking care of her mental health by talking to her because they all lived out of state by this time and so we all kind of just took on these roles um to care for my mother and instead of letting it kind of tear us apart which I've seen it in so many other cases, we all kind of came together and like my father was taking care of her finances. So, you know, a lot of times with the manic um, episodes, she would spend lots of money, but now she wasn't able to, he would give her a small allowance and, you know, live a lot a very comfortable life and she was with me. So she didn't have to spend money on rent or anything like that. So it, it made for a comfortable life for her to where it was almost easier for her. To manage her disease, because she had so much support from my sisters, my dad, her ex-husband, and me myself and my husband.
0: Was there ever with your family? Did you guys ever sit down and kind of discuss, like, okay, you know, Dad's going to take this role, and I'm going to take this role, or did you all kind of naturally fall into your roles?
1: We all naturally kind of fell into it. We um, we all knew something had to be done you know there was there was too many years of of my mother being violent and um, unhealthy and we knew that almost those episodes took a bigger toll on us than maybe it even did on her and so i think in a way of us all trying to avoid that difficult, those difficult times again, we all just kind of fell into a natural habit of just making sure that she stayed on a a healthier course. And with that, everyone just kind of found their place. And it, it just, it ended up working really well. And at that point, you know, we were all able to come closer because we all kind of were able to Understand each other on a deeper level, um, because we never really discussed what you know each role was for everyone for my mother and her health. But we knew what we didn't want to happen. So if we saw any patterns that weren't healthy, we, you know, with my mother, we would, you know, my sisters would notice something, and so they would talk to her, and then they would notify me, and and then I would be able to kind of really you know, assess the situation here because she was with me. Most of the time it was me that would notice those because I had been around with her since I was 10 years old. I knew what her, her little triggers were. I knew exactly, you know, what she was. I almost knew before she even knew that she was, you know, having um, a new episode coming on or, or if she the medication just wasn't just quite enough. Um, but a huge part of that was um, my, my father actually taking over the financial responsibility because that, well, and the medical side, because we were definitely able to to help her when she couldn't make the decisions that were best for her. And luckily, we all had the best intentions, of course, because, and, and my father still does to this day. Um, because when it comes to someone losing out on all their, their finances, then, you know, it, it it became a bigger burden. And, And my father took that in when he really didn't have to, um, and he's owned it and it's been, it's just a good support group that we have, you know, and most recently, um, she did have another episode. We had to move her to my sister in Pennsylvania, um, because she wasn't exactly deemed safe to be around children, and I have four. So we did have to move her across the, the United States, the East Coast, to be with my sister, whose children were much older. Um, and she did get treatment there. She end, ended up getting um, ECT treatments uh, for this the schizophrenia.
0: So to just clarify for anyone listening, ECT, um, electroconvulsive therapy, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, and is that now I know people hear that a lot and it's kind of scary. They, they picture, you know, like, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Did, what was your experience with, with, uh, her ECT treatments? Uh,
1: well, at first I, I didn't even think it was legal, um, <laughs> <laughs> in the United States. Uh, I actually, I think in some States it's not, I'm not even sure. Um, but you know, you. we. We were so used to my mother being well for so long that seeing her struggle as much as she was and them professionals not being able to get any medication that was working to give her a good quality of life, when they brought up the ECT, me and my sisters, my father, you know, we all talked about it, and we felt like it was probably the best course of action. Now we were all a little scared; uh, my mom being the most terrified, of course. Um, but once we kind of researched it, and we we did a lot of research, and we and my sister that lived with that had my sister or my mother up in Pennsylvania uh, spoke to doctors often about the treatments. We all felt pretty comfortable with it. Um, we knew that there was going to be some side effects, possibly with the treatments. Um, she did receive twenty ECT treatments, which is ab- above average. Um, she, she, I mean, she's not considered someone who just has depression. She, she's severe. She has severe mental illness, um,
0: and so she did need the most that they've ever administered. Well, and I think that's a a good point to make is that. ECT is used to treat depression, right? And um, in people who really, it's a very severe depression, like you mentioned before, to the point where you really can't take care of yourself. And it sounds like she was in a place where other other treatments were not effective at that point. You guys had tried a lot of things before you got to that point, and it was just it wasn't working.
1: Yes. Um, we actually were, they were at the last medication that they could possibly give. Uh, before they made this decision. Um, and they didn't take it lightly either. Um, you know, they had, my mother had to go before their board. They're, they have a board of executive doctors that make the decision. And and after seeing all the failed attempts, um, she ended up being allergic to lithium and almost dying of lithium about 15 years ago uh, from like a cardiac, I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you exact diagnosis um but getting very sick from that one and almost dying from that one and and the inconsistency of of her not being able to take some of them because the way she felt which is 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 common i mean i'm sure you hear that very often is people don't like the way it makes them feel um so at that point they did did decide to go ahead with the treatment and uh she just had her last treatment about 2 weeks ago um, she is suffering from some uh, short term memory loss. Uh, but other than that, you know, she's not hearing voices anymore. Uh, she is no longer having severe anxiety. Um, she, she, you know, we're getting her on a plane tomorrow to come back to live with me. And she's not completely worried about it like she would have been before. And we're not worried about it before. And, and so it, it's just it's come to a full circle and I, I feel so humbled by my mother because I've seen this disease firsthand and it it's debilitating and more so than I would feel like diabetes was and I feel like she's overcome obstacles that most wouldn't and I I I'm, I've had this I'm extremely proud of her because the stigma of mental illness is, there's just, there's so much of it. And she has family members that still don't believe that anything's wrong with her. And, and that we're, we're taking an extreme, extreme measures. And, and, you know, so I feel proud that she has acknowledged it and she's, she fights this every day and uh, you know, The electrotherapy treatments have given her a quality of life that maybe she didn't expect because she is she does struggle with memory and and that sort of thing, but it took a sense of bravery of knowing that she couldn't continue with the voices and the depression and the anxiety any longer that she did choose to do this treatment. And I, I'm just, I'm proud of her and I'm proud of my family that through all of this, we were able to stay with her and on her side while she fought. And I feel like her fight has, her fight has almost been easier on her because we have been there and we haven't, you know, even though at times we wanted to back up back away, you know, cuz it's difficult. We haven't and we've stayed there. But at the end of the day, no one can take anything away from her just because she has, you know, schizophrenia or anything like that. I just I feel like she's stronger than anyone else. So someone might be like, "Oh, you know, Autumn has a mother who has this, you know, may think that my mother's weak, but to me, she's the strongest person I know." And I don't think she views herself that way, and I hope one day she will. And I hope that these new treatments and, and her feeling as good as she does now and today continues to where she can finally build that self-confidence that she had before she was ever sick or diagnosed. Um, so I guess that's and so we all, all me, my sisters, my father, we still have much we have a lot of work to do um, to, to help her
0: move forward from this. Oh, that just gets me right in the heart though. That was just so heartwarming what you just said about her and about your family. What would you want to say to people in general about serious mental illness?
1: Don't write them off. Um, it's difficult. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's a difficult in a sense that you might not understand it, but just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that they're not worth it. Um, Someone, you know, your mother or father may have diabetes or hypertension. Well, to me, my mother having this mental illness is, is just the same as that. She has to take her medication, just like your mother or father needs to take, you know, metformin for their diabetes or lisinopril for high blood pressure. You know, it's just one of those things that it, it is a disease. And just because it's not something that you completely understand doesn't mean that you shouldn't help, help that person overcome it. They're worth it. Mental illness, people who suffer from mental illness are worth it. And it's a difficult road, but with, with the support system and you also helping in the support system, definitely makes it to where it is, you can accomplish anything. My mother might have these have extreme stories that have all made us who we are today, and we're all proud of that. And I think if anyone were to go through that
0: journey, they would look back and be proud of themselves too. If there was a family member listening to this right now that was really struggling and, and in that place where they were feeling like pulling back, what advice would you give? What did you and your family do to get through those tough times?
1: There, there were several times where we did have to pull back um, just for our own mental health, and we did. But we we took it as just some time for ourselves, not as a permanent a, a permanent you know disconnect. We it was just we knew that we just needed a few months. To kind of get our balances back, um, to get our mental health in check, because we all need to be just we we can't we can't help someone who's not healthy if we're not healthy ourselves. So we would just get ourselves to a good point to where we could jump back in and continue that journey with my mother. So if you do feel like you do need to pull back for your own mental health. And I, I don't see anything wrong with that because that's what we had to do multiple times ourselves. And it, it almost is like a self-discovery during those times. And once that's, you kind of get on your ground again, then you can go back and you can help. And I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I feel like it's made us better and it's made us stronger for my mother. And that's what we need. She needs the strength from us. But if we're not strong enough, then we need to get there. And if that means pulling back, then I think, I think that's okay as long as it's not something that, that doesn't last for too long. I mean, if, if clinically you also need to pull back for even a longer period of time or, or you know, you talk to a, a therapist or a psychiatrist or, and they don't agree. Yeah. With you being in that situation, then they they're probably right. But for us, it was it was just short periods of time,
0: and it worked well for us. That was very well said. I think that's a very healthy and balanced perspective to have for sure. Were there specific, um, if you're okay with sharing any specific stories or specific times that really stand out to you or made an impact?
1: Oh, uh, absolutely! It was actually the night that uh, we had told my mother that I was going to stay more permanently at my father's house, um, my mother was already in a manic state, uh, which was half the reason why I did want to go move with him because I, I even at a, a freshman in high school, I knew that it wasn't healthy for me to be around that for much longer. and it was the night we told my mother, that I was going to stay with him. And she got extremely violent, uh, wielding a hammer to be exact. And uh, it, it became a family affair where my sister showed up uh, to try to protect me because my mother held a lot of resentment towards me um, for many years. I was I was her main target over all of me and my sisters. Um, and it was because she resented me the most because she and my father still to this day care immensely for each other. It's just, it's, it's just, it's a different relationship now. And even then she was still in love with my father and she felt that my father taking me, he was choosing me over her. And so She obviously wasn't thinking rationally because that wasn't that wasn't the case. Um, But cops ended up getting involved. Uh, It it was very very violent. Um, I ended up having to fight my mother, uh, which violence is never the thing. But whenever you're, she's coming at you and and stuff. It it did end up pretty violent. Um, My sister ended up fighting her um, because she was attacking me and my father and that's probably one of the most memorable um, that I can think of uh, and I mean I held resentment a lot uh, for all of that but there comes a point where that that resentment starts to eat at you and and we had to kind of I had to kind of step back and realize that it was the disease and not so much her and um, at that point I was able to forgive a lot of situations that are very similar there's there's probably dozens and dozens of stories just like that um during the course of her you know mental illness that she's had um but that one is probably the most memorable because I got arrested <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did you
1: get arrested for uh, domestic dispute he ended up not taking me to jail but because I was I was um I was 14 at the time, uh, once he realized what had really happened. And, and he ended up taking my mother to the hospital, um, straight to the hospital. She didn't even get booked. Um, he realized real quickly that what the situation was. And, um,
0: but many stories like that. And this might be a good time to mention, too, if you are a family member and you're calling 911 for a situation with someone who's struggling with mental illness. Are there specific things that you should say to the dispatcher over the phone um, or how would you handle that with your family? Because sometimes you're right. You, you do need to call them when you do need more support. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We learned very quickly to uh, when to call immediately state that we have someone that is uh, wanting to cause harm to themselves or someone else. When you use that verbiage. At that point, they know that they're going into a mental health situation. Um, when you don't say those verbiage, then they definitely come in like it's just a marital spat and, and everyone's to blame. But we now know when we or we did, we haven't had to deal with that situation because my father has power of attorney over her now. But then we knew we had to say, you know, she's a date. We, you know, so-and-so is a danger to themselves. and to others at at this point and we need assistance that's when they would be able to come and they weren't ready to knock down the door and it's that they knew to have and and you know police appreciated that more so as well because they were they were ready for it and they they were more understanding they they had compassion when they came instead of Thinking that there was some violent fight happening for no for no reason over a TV or a stereo, they were able to come with more compassion. They knew that there was a mental health situation at the house, and and it ended up taking care of a lot of a lot of uh, uncomfortable situation with the police, and and we and it, it worked out that way. Nice,
0: good. Well thank you for sharing that story. I really appreciate it. I think yeah. it gives us um a good perspective on just some of the challenges that can happen with with those types of family dynamics.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, and there there are there are many and and the, it's not all it's not all violent like you know, you hear, you watch movies of, of, schizophrenics and, and you just think that they're sitting there talking to themselves or anything, but it could be something as simple as, um, obs- obsessing, you know, she would just sit there and obsessed about face creams for 24 hours a day for seven days, straight obsessing. And, in the end it was her head, like it was in her head that that's what she needed to do. And so people just think that, you know, when you have schizophrenia, that you're start talking to walls and, you know, you're, I mean, how Hollywood perceives schizophrenia is much different than how it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and people don't understand that. So a lot of times, whenever because I, my way to cope is I don't hide it. Like I don't find my mom's diagnosis as embarrassing or anything like that. Someone asks, I will tell them. And a lot of times people are like, Oh my gosh. And I'm like, it's not what you think. Like it's not this Hollywood version of shutter Island, schizophrenia, that sort of thing. It's much more tame in a way, but, um, you know, it, it also me talking about it, it, helps people learn about it too. And, and that's what I really think that everyone needs to kind of do more is kind of talk about different types of depression. And cause it's just not just one, you're not just depressed and you don't just have anxiety, you have several different types. And, and my mom kind of has it all. <laughs> and, you know, she's like, she's an extreme case and, and people almost take that away from her and I that's why I like to talk about it because when people find out I'm like no like I I want you to know that she is stronger than probably you and I both are and uh I that's part of the reason why I really like to talk about it because then people can kind of learn and understand it better
0: most definitely well thank you so much for joining us today Adam I really appreciate it yes. Um, I, I see so much value in your story and sharing this. And I really think a lot of people are going to be able to relate and, and connect with it. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Well, thank you again for having me. Absolutely. Got questions or ideas for the podcast, or perhaps you have your own story to share. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisis prep and or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcast. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc. The intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. The CPR podcast team includes Tamara LaMontagne, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, Rob Wilson, and Michael Magarinos. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support.